Welcome to the Know and Love Podcast, where we discuss how to interpret the scriptures for everyday life in order to grow in our devotion to God and His Word. We are your hosts, Adam and Rachel Pereira, and we are so glad that you joined us today. Hey everyone, it's Adam and Rachel here with the Know and Love podcast, episode eight. And this is kind of a continuation of what we were talking about last time with what about the covenants? Now, just in the uh, spirit of full disclosure, we tried to actually record this yesterday and it was after kind of a long day with kids and work and our brains were super fuzzy. So we decided to hit the pause button and start over. Yeah, take two. <laughs> so hopefully this makes a lot more sense than it was making yesterday. <laughs> but um, we also wanted to say too that um, we were initially going to combine a couple covenants each episode. Uh, but the more we started kind of digging in and talking about it, there's just so much richness here to discuss um, that we just thought it was better to separate um, the covenants a little bit. So this one is going to just be one covenant that we're going to talk about, and then we'll talk about another one next time. And we also wanted to just point out, too, that we are not at all experts <laughs> in this area. <laughs> this is uh, something that we're continuing to learn and grow in. It's really helped us in our study of Scripture. Um, in fact, there's a couple resources that I think we mentioned last time. Adam, do you do you have the titles of those again? Yeah, uh, just really want to encourage you, uh, if you want to get a better grasp on uh, each covenant, uh, Tom Schreiner has that a book that we mentioned last week the called Covenant and God's Purpose for the World. It is a great, great resource. Uh, it's roughly around 150 pages, uh, very readable. And, and I would really encourage you to, uh, to, to get that book. Uh, you can We'll put a link for Amazon on there. Uh, if you're really wanting to, to tackle a big book, uh, there's a book by Peter Gentry and Stephen Wellam called Kingdom Through Covenant. And that goes into a lot of detail. It's a pretty heavy book, uh, but it's an excellent book. It's 800 plus pages. Uh, so um, if you can tackle that one, that's another great one. There is a there is kind of a condensed version um, that we'll have on the show notes as well. But want to encourage you um, if you want further reading. Uh, on this, uh, we'll have those available. Yeah, hopefully that'll be a help to you. And um, anybody who knows Adam and I know we love to share resources. I feel like we're always wanting to share things we come across. So hopefully that helps. Um, Last time, uh, we had a little bit of a longer episode because we were discussing uh, what a covenant even is. And then we jumped into the first two that we see in scripture, the covenant of creation and the covenant with uh, God with Noah. We talked about the contexts that we find those covenants in. Of course, the covenant with Adam at creation was in a, a perfect world, and then things were totally different by the time we got to Noah. We talked about some of the signs of those covenants. We talked about how the humans in those covenants failed. And uh, we also saw how that kind of progresses the story of Scripture as we're reading along. It kind of helps us be more familiar with where we are when we're studying Scripture, kind of like a, a, a flyover. And in fact, that's why we're doing Um, these series, this little mini series inside the season uh, one of this podcast 
to kind of do kind of a flyover of how we see the story of scripture progress. So that brings us to the third one today, the covenant with Abraham. And Adam, I'm going to turn it over to you. You can kind of start start us off here. Yeah, the third covenant that we read of in the Bible when we get to Genesis 12 and following is uh, a special covenant that God makes with Abraham. And as Rachel kind of gave a review, uh, we've kind of tried just to kind of put like little taglines on each of these covenants as far as how the covenant it, the covenants are progressing, um, the story of the Bible. And the creation covenant kind of gave us the goal, the goal of creation. Where is everything headed to? And uh, we saw that everything is headed to uh, God's glory uh, shining across the globe um, through his image bearers. And when we looked at the the covenant with Noah, uh, kind of the tagline we had for that was, uh, it shows us the canvas of redemption. So God is going to paint this beautiful story of redemption on this canvas. No longer will uh, there be worldwide catastrophe and judgment until this great painting of redemption is completed. Uh, So now we get to the covenant with Abraham, and we're going to kind of tagline this covenant to show us the framework of redemption. How is redemption, God's plan of redemption, of undoing what Adam did in the garden, how is it going to specifically play out through the rest of Scripture? And when we get to Genesis chapter 12, boy, the context in which God makes this covenant, it's pretty bleak. Yeah. There's worldwide rebellion, just like before the flood. In Genesis 6, every imagination of mankind was wicked. And we get to Genesis 11, and the whole, all of civilization is coming together to say, let's make a name for ourselves. Yeah, let's take us, let's let's be God. <laughs> yeah, let's be God. Same thing that, that Eve and Adam were tempted and gave into the temptation to be their own God. And we see it happening again. So really we're faced with the question, is there any hope for God's promise that he made in Genesis 3.15 to really come true? How is this seed going to come to defeat uh, the head of the serpent, to to undo what Adam let in uh, in the temptations of of the snake of Satan? In fact, uh, the book we recommended by Tom Schreiner, he really states this point well. He says, the narrative provokes us to question where salvation will come from especially since human beings haven't changed since the flood. A depth of corruption still inhabits the heart. Yeah, that's a great quote. It it points to what the true problem is here, right? It's it's not outside of man, it's right inside of man. Yes, it's in man. So if you remember last week, and and again, I don't quite remember, uh, this is not a statement that, that I made, but uh, someone made the, the statement, covenant is the language of relationship. So God makes his covenant with, with, uh, with man, and it brings about a special relationship. And we see this with the covenant God makes with Abraham. 
Right, and each one of those covenants, it's important to realize, is between God as the divine side of the covenant and then a human being as kind of the representative of that covenant. And, of course, this one is with Abraham, but I think we need to discuss a little bit um, how Abraham became the person that God would make this covenant with. Yeah, it really showcases God's grace that if God is going to fulfill his uh, plan that we saw in Genesis 1 and 2, then it is going to entirely be up to God to do it. Because as we've seen, his image bearers um, have continually failed. Mm -hmm. If the promise of Genesis 3.15 is going to come true, it's going to be up to God. Uh, and we see that God chose Abraham. He he chooses Abraham to enter into a covenant relationship with Abraham entirely by God's grace, because Abraham was not deserving of it. Uh, in fact, Joshua 24, verses 2 to 3, uh, Joshua is kind of telling the people of Israel the history uh, of their, their being called to be a nation. And it says, Joshua said to all the people, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, long ago your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates, Terah, the father of Abraham, and of Nahor. And get this, it says, and they served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from beyond the river and led him through all the land of Canaan and made his offspring many. So when God uh, spoke to Abraham in Genesis 12 and said, this is what I want you to do, Abraham, and this is what I'm going to do for you, uh, the text says Abraham was actually an idolater. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I I think that point is really, really interesting um, just because it just points to God's sovereignty and the fact that he has this plan and he's going to be the one that accomplishes the plan, even if it means pulling some idol worshiper out of his country and his land and asking him to follow him. Yeah. And you even contrast, we talked about last episode, the covenant with Noah. And again, it wasn't that Noah somehow merited or could earn God's righteousness, um, it, it, the text says in, in uh, Genesis chapter 6 that Noah found grace mm-hmm. in the eyes of the Lord. Um, but Noah's character, even in contrast to Abraham, it said a- that Noah, uh, he, he was a man of righteousness. He walked after God. So, so we see that, that Abraham here, in contrast, here is, is walking in the idolatry of his fathers. Right. And, and God uh, calls him out. And he promises to do great things through him. What an, that's an encouragement mm-hmm. to us, isn't it? Right. Yeah, I, th- I think, too, as, as we move on a little bit farther into this covenant, we see, you already mentioned this, but we're kind of wondering here, God made this promise back in Genesis 3.15. He says he's going to bring this uh, seed, this offspring, that's going to kind of resolve this sin problem. Um, does this covenant, do you think, does it kind of clarify what God said back in Genesis 3.15? Yeah, we're going to, when we look at the specific promises of this covenant in Genesis 12 in just a minute, we're going to see that offspring is, is, is one of the main promises. Um, so, so what we see, Genesis 3.15 um, says that through the offspring of a woman, uh, uh, there is going to come one who crushes the head of the serpent. And, and, and when we came to Noah, we 
kind of compared the creation language in Genesis 1 and 2 with what we read um, after Noah leaves the ark and and how they're they're parallel. And Noah was kind of seen as this new Adam. Mm -hmm. And God is is saying, be fruitful, multiply to Noah. So uh, we see, okay, well, that promise is still in effect, uh, that God is going to, God's commanding, just like he did Adam, to be fruitful, to multiply, fill the earth. Now he's doing this with Noah. And so God is still going to bring about an offspring. And, and, and now we get to, to Abraham, and we again, we read about offspring. So the, the promise of this seed that would come, we now get to Genesis 12 and we say, okay, so Abraham, the promised seed is now going to come through Abraham. Mm-hmm. And we also see uh, in Genesis 12 that even Abraham is kind of viewed as a, a, a new Adam. In fact, we're going to look at the promises of Genesis 12, uh, verses 1 to 3, and we're going to see that these promises, they are, are the solution to the curses that we read of mm-hmm. in Genesis 3. So we see, okay, so God is going to undo these curses through Abraham's offspring, uh, and here is, is the answer, the hope of the curses being undone. It's really cool. Yes. And again, tying those threads from all of scripture, it's it's really cool. So we, the covenant promises that God made to Abraham, um, we kind of think of them um, as kind of having three main parts to it. Yeah, categories. Right, categories. Um, in fact, I'm going to read Genesis 12, 1 through 3, and we'll see if we can pick out those three there. It says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Um, so we we can kind of see those three categories, like you said. The first one being uh, offspring. He says, I'll make of you a great nation. I'll bless you and make your name great so you'll be um, a blessing. So let's unpack this idea of offspring just a little bit. Yeah. Uh, the promise of offspring here, again, reminding us going all the way back to Genesis 1, verse 28, be fruitful, multiply, um, and then we read uh, that here, the promise of an offspring to undo what, what, what Satan has tempted Adam and Eve with, what Adam has brought into the world. Romans 5 tells us that through Adam, sin has entered humanity. We're all sinners. Uh, and now uh, we come up in Genesis 12 again with this theme of, of offspring. I will make of you a great nation. Now, we, we see some more clarification here with, with offspring that um, now this is being referred to as a great nation in verse 2. So, so this word nation has the idea of an organized group of people, like a nation, a political people, a nation with a government, with, with, with uh, an established order. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what we see here is, is that this would, would be a nation ruled by God. Right. This would be God's nation. This would be the kingdom of God mm-hmm. uh, that would be 
a, a visible, tangible kingdom of God on earth. And, and this would be opposed to uh, the kingdom of man or the kingdom of that serpent, the seed of the serpent. Which uh, we've been reading about, right, in chapter 10 and 11. I mean, it's been outlining a lot of that kingdom of man. Yeah, Genesis 10 is often referred to as the, the table of nations. We see all of these nations that, that were formed. Genesis 11 tells us um, uh, about the formation of, of, of these nations that, that uh, again, they wanted to establish a name for themselves, to, to follow after um, to fo- follow after themselves, uh, to, to really they were a seed of the serpent, mm-hmm. and uh, as they were scattered, these nations were developed. These were pagan nations, uh, but amidst all of this sin and wickedness, there would be a nation that was to showcase God's glory, and uh, this this promise of offspring is really important to the covenant with Abraham, and it's mentioned throughout uh, Genesis. And you remember, uh, Abraham's an older guy. Sarah is an older woman. Mm-hmm. And, and it was past the time for them to even have uh, uh, any kids, right? Um, let alone uh, the, this promise of a nation. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. In fact, uh, when you by the time you get to Genesis 15, which is three chapters later, uh, Abraham's trying to figure things out on his own. He says, um, God, what about my servant Eliezer? Can't he um, receive my inheritance and be considered my son? A- and God says, no, uh, Abraham, I'm going to give you a promise, son. A- and he says, look up at the stars and, and try to number them. In fact, uh, e- even moving uh, to where we currently live, we were uh, in more of the, uh, I don't know, can you, I guess, I don't know, can you call it city in Mansfield? <laughs> I guess, comparatively. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> comparatively. Uh, and now I guess we're uh, more considered country, country living. I guess. Uh, not as many street lights, and it's so beautiful to go outside and to look at the, the crazy amount of stars mm-hmm. that we couldn't even see before because of the street lights right. and everything. And you picture uh, Abraham's day, there's no lights. Uh, at, at least street lights and store lights and all that stuff, and he and he's given this this uh, picture here. Your your offspring are going to be greater than the stars mm-hmm. that you see, um, and, and and then in Genesis seventeen, um, he says, "I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful." And I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you. So not only one nation, this promised nation of Genesis 12, but many nations are going to come, and kings are going to come uh, from Abraham, which we'll talk about later, but it's ultimately going to point us to, to King Jesus. Right. Yeah, it's kind of a little preview there of what's yeah. to come. Yeah, and the many nations uh, that that will that will come to Jesus, the uh, not just, uh, I mean, we're going, there's going to be a multitude of nations, the New Testament tells us, that that claim Abraham as father right. because of Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean, look at how early we are in Scripture, but yet we're already seeing those glimpses. I can't help but um, just think about Abraham um, receiving this promise from God and kind of his perspective. Like you mentioned, he was older, uh, his wife was older, they they didn't even have any children at this point. Um, for him to be wrapping his brain about around what God is saying uh, kind of reminds me too of when God... 
um, made promises to, to Noah and asked Noah to walk by faith in making the ark um, in preparation for this flood when he really couldn't wrap his mind around what he was going to be seeing and experiencing. Um, I know this isn't what we're necessarily focusing on today, but as you were as you were talking, I was just reminded of the the faith that it took for these men to commit their lives to following this covenant. Even though God was the one who was calling them to it, God was the one that was keeping this covenant, um, there was a lot of faith on the part of these guys who were who were following the covenants. That's right. Uh, and and, and uh, faith in Genesis 15, after uh, God says, look at the stars, uh, you can't even number them, so shall your offspring be. The very next verse, Genesis 15, 6 says, and he believed the Lord mm-hmm. and he counted it to him as righteousness. Yeah. In fact, Paul later in the New Testament uses um, this, this passage to say that the promise of Abraham that we are partakers of because of because of Jesus, it is by faith. It's not by the works of the law. Right. Uh, faith. It, it always takes faith in God's promises. That is that is what is counted to us um, as righteousness. Ultimately, being our faith in Christ. Um, yeah, faith has always been the the key element in. Uh, our relationship with God, mm-hmm. whether that be in the New Testament or in the Old Testament. Right. So that's a really good point. Right. Well, we'll keep moving because we could <laughs> we could give yeah. out all sorts of applications there. But so the offspring was kind of the main theme we talked about already. And then the next one we see in that first verse of chapter 12 is the idea of land. He says, to your offspring, I give this land um, down in chap- or chapter 12, verse 7. Yeah, he gets more specific and says this land. So let's unpack this idea a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and remember, in Genesis 12, 1, uh, he says to leave your country, your kindred, your father's house, and go to the land I will show you. So he didn't even know it at that point. Yeah, didn't even know it. Uh, And then when you get to verse 2, I will make of you a great nation. Um, Well, every nation, it has to have a land, Mm -hmm. right? You can't have a a nation without a land. Uh, So the second main uh, promise here that is involved in the in, in this covenant God makes with Abraham is land. Um, and again, like with the promise of offspring, this is continually repeated to Abraham because there was nothing there yet. Like you said, with faith, uh, his faith was not sight. Mm-hmm. He, uh, this was all trusting in God's promises because he was wandering around uh, like a, a nomad mm-hmm. or a, a, a wanderer a sojourner, um, trusting in God that God would one day give this land that he promised. Um, Now, like what you referred to in verse 7, when Abraham goes to the land of Canaan, it says the Lord appeared to him and said, to your offspring I will give this land. Mm -hmm. So now he knows exactly what it is that God has promised uh, uh, Abraham, and it's, it's going to be this land. And then uh, you get to you see this promise repeated in Genesis thirteen verses fourteen and fifteen after Abraham uh, and Lot part companies and remember Lot kind of sees the the luscious land and he picks to go there um, and Abraham uh, gives him the first choice 
God says, lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward and southward and eastward and westward, for all the land that you see, I will give to you and to your offspring forever. Mm-hmm. Boy, that I mean, basically, ever, as far as his eyes could see, uh, this land was going to be given to, to him forever. And really, that's a hint, I think, in Genesis 13, that ultimately... Um, that that original desire, uh, that plan of God, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, that really ultimately, and, and Paul brings this up in Romans, uh, the promise of land is ultimately going to be the entire earth, not just a specific right. portion of land. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you, you continue to see the promise given to Abraham in Genesis 15, um, and and in and chapter seventeen, chapter twenty-two, you just continue to see this promise of land. Um, specifically in Genesis fifteen eighteen, uh, God says, "To your offspring I will give this land, and from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates." And uh, God always keeps His promises, right? Right. Uh, when when we read in, of of Solomon in First Kings mm-hmm. chapter four verse twenty-one. It says, Solomon ruled over all the kingdoms from the Euphrates to the land of the Philistines and to the border of Egypt. That, that description is, is very similar to what, yeah. what God promised in Genesis 15, 18. So we kind of see uh, where God uh, fulfills his promise of this land. Mm-hmm. But it didn't happen in Abraham's lifetime. No, no, it was far, far after, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, which then leads us after land to the the final kind of theme that we see in this covenant, and that is uh, blessing. Uh, we read the phrase, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Um, this is a theme that we have already seen um, in other parts of scripture up to this point, haven't we? Uh Yeah. Um, it's a consistent theme of blessing. Uh, in Genesis 1, 28, what did God do for, to Adam and, and Eve? It says he blessed them. Mm-hmm. He said, be fruitful and multiply. In Genesis chapter 9, again, Noah as kind of a, a second Adam uh, or another Adam says, God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And, and, and then when we come to Abraham here, it says, in you all the families of the earth uh, shall be blessed. So, so this theme of blessing is kind of consistent, um, and, and we see that that what's going to happen here is that a blessing is going to come to the world through Abraham's uh, line. That that this is going to be universal blessing. This isn't just for Abraham and for his offspring, but all of the families of the earth will be blessed through what God is doing through the line of Abraham. So again, God's goal, God's intent is universal blessing. It's not limited to simply Abraham or his physical offspring. It's universal blessing. Um, God is going to undo the effects of the curse of sin on this world. And he's going to do that um, as uh, we see this promise of offspring progress all the way um, to the new covenant. Yeah, it's really neat to start seeing some of these details of how God is going to fix the curse, kind of starting to be um, 
formed or given. We we don't have the whole picture yet, but we're starting to see some of the ways that God is going to do that. And I think if we talk a little bit more about the covenant itself, uh, we have been reading a lot from chapter 12, uh, verses 1 through 3 was what I read earlier. Um, but is that where we would say that the covenant was officially made between God and Abraham? No, uh, when we read Genesis 12, we see that God is giving these promises. And, um, you know, when God gives a promise, it is as good as done. You know, mm-hmm. you, you take God at his word. Uh, in fact, Hebrews says that, uh, that God can swear by none greater, so he swears by, by himself. himself. Uh, but we actually don't see kind of the official, um, the technical term is kind of ratification or the the official beginning of this covenant made. Uh, we, uh, it's not until we get to Genesis 15 that we see the the actual covenant made with Abraham. So so these are kind of the promises that God unpacks for for Abraham at the very beginning. But but it's not until three chapters later that we say, that God says, okay, here I'm going to officially enter into covenant with you, Abraham. Mm-hmm. Um, and Genesis, we know this because Genesis 15, 18 says, on that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham. Uh, literally, you could read, um, it's, it's pretty specific language, the Lord cut a covenant with Abraham. Um, and, and you even get that idea of cutting a covenant when, when you read the description uh, in Genesis 15 of what happened. Um, so uh, we see that God causes a deep sleep to fall on Abraham in chapter 15, verse 12. Uh, Abraham lays out uh, animals uh, in, in verse 9, he said to him, bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he brought him all these, cut them in half, and laid each half over against each other. But he did not cut the birds in half. And when the birds of prey came down in the carcasses, Abraham drove them away. Uh, so he lays out these animals uh, so there's almost like an aisleway in between these cut animals. And we continue to read um, in verse 13 of chapter 15, God says, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age, and they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. Um, and uh, and then later in verse eighteen, on that on that day, the Lord made a covenant, and, and and this is the covenant promise to your offspring: I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, um, and it goes on. Uh, so the significance here of God going in between the animals uh, by himself is that God is saying, Abraham, I am going to perform these promises. I will not go back on my word as I enter into covenant with you. Here's kind of a a, a visual image uh, to ensure that I am going to do what I've promised. Uh, it, generally, you would have, if it was like a covenant between two people, 
uh, back in, uh, during this time, you would have both individuals that would go between the animals. And basically what they would be saying is, if we don't perform our commitment that we're making with each other, this covenant, may we be like these animals that have been slaughtered. Mm-hmm. So we see here uh, kind of the, we see an unconditional element uh, in Genesis 15 that God says, I am going to, um, to, to do this, to do what I promise in this covenant. But we also do see as well um, that there are some obligations that Abraham does have in the covenant. Um, covenants are kind of like a spectrum uh, that you have on one side, you have an unconditional completely unconditional, this is what God is going to do. And then on the other side of the spectrum, you have the conditional element that that this is what, uh, in order to, uh, that this covenant that, that, that God is making, you, uh, here's your stipulations. It's up to you whether this is going to be uh, accomplished. And it, rather than saying black and white, well, this covenant is unconditional, this covenant is conditional, you kind of have a spectrum, if that makes sense, of this covenant is more, this covenant definitely leans to the side of unconditional, or as we see later, uh, what we're going to talk about the covenant with Israel, or the Mosaic covenant, that covenant leans towards the side of the, uh, of you know, conditional, mm-hmm. uh, completely conditional, yeah. 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 Um, so, so we can't forget that even though God promises that absolutely the, what I have promised is going to come true, uh, there were still uh, obligations that Abraham had in this covenant. Right. And before before we move on, I wanted to ask you a quick question. This is how our conversations go sometimes. <laughs> um, and I don't want to get us on a rabbit trail, but as we as we were reading through chapter 15 about the actual details of how God uh, kind of ratified this covenant, I noticed in verse 12, it says, as the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram and behold, a dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Um, and I, I couldn't help but kind of thinking deep sleep, that same phrase being... Um, used back with Adam when when Adam fell into a deep sleep and and Eve was created. Um, do you think that that's purposeful by the author there to kind of have that parallel uh, language there with what we see in, in creation? Uh, yeah, I, I, I never even thought of that. I, I, I don't, or never really even considered it. I don't necessarily, um, in that case, see a tie-in. Okay. Um, but yeah, that's a good thought. I've never, I've never considered it. That's kind of just how it. our conversations <laughs> go. I notice things and bounce them off Adam. So, um, so we've, we've talked about the actual, I, I guess not to cut you off, which I, which I did, <laughs> but I, I would almost see that, that, that detail of a deep sleep falling on Adam would, would almost just be like more of a support of boy for this covenant to be fulfilled it has to entirely be fulfilled by God. Right. I right. mean, Abraham is in a deep sleep, uh, having nothing to do with this covenant. Um, you know, he he's seen this in in his sleep, and and he's totally um, in, in the instance of of the one who's actually going to be able to perform this covenant. Um, he, he's helpless. Right. Uh, it's entirely up to God. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I totally see that too. 
Um, so chapter 15 outlines the specifics of how God makes this covenant. And then if you jump over to chapter 17, we, we kind of see almost a re- repeat, right, of some of these details. Would you say this is kind of just a um, renewal of that? Or, or what would you say is going on in chapter 17? Yeah, it is interesting when you read uh, chapter 17 talks about Abraham and, and, and God says, I... Um, you and all of your offspring, um, you need to be circumcised. And, 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 chap- and chapter 17, verse, uh, what is it? Verse 9, God said to Abraham, as for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your offspring after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. Some people kind of look at... Um, Chapter seventeen with uh, circumcision as a as a like a new covenant that God is making. Total so you, yeah, one. you have kind of the Mosaic covenant, and then you have this covenant of circumcision. Or you mean the Abrahamic? Covenant. Or yeah, Abrahamic. I guess we're, no, I'm, we're not I'm to ju- Moses, jumping around. Yeah. <laughs> um, we might have to do a part three <laughs> uh, or a take three. Um, but uh, uh, no, I, I think that with, with uh, the details here. That this is more of of a, rene- uh, a renewal or a confirmation of the covenant that God already cut with Abraham back in Genesis 15. Uh, circumcision is actually the sign of the Abrahamic covenant. Um, so, and, and even with the the language there, I will establish my covenant with you. Um, kind of has the idea of referring to a previous covenant that was made. Uh, so I see this uh, as this is more detail given um, from the covenant God already made with Abraham. And, and what God's saying now to Abraham is, I want you to have a visible sign uh, that that you, your offspring, are participants in this covenant that I'm making with you, and that was circumcision. Right, and, and some of these covenants, we do see kind of a, a physical sign, a physical reminder, like the rainbow with Noah. And this, again, the the circumcision is a um, physical reminder and sign. Um, again, here's w- another one of those connections <laughs> that I think I see, but like uh, I do think that there seems to be an interesting connection to the whole command to be fruitful and multiply, the multiplication of Abraham's um, descendants, and the idea of circumcision. I mean, that that's all very closely tied together, right? Yes. Um, so yeah, there's that there, there's that visible there's that visible reminder that this promise of offspring uh, it's got to come from God and and uh, th- th- there's that there's that reminder that that this is this is God's promise we are participants in this covenant but God is the one that we are fully relying upon uh, to fulfill uh, the promises that He made. Uh, and, and I think too, it's it's uh, you know it was a bloody act, not to get into detail, mm-hmm. um, but you know aren't we thankful that that uh, baby that ever that males are circumcised as babies at eight days old nowadays? Right. Um, you know it was quite traumatic, uh, especially for Abraham being an, an older individual and and uh, his offspring that were older. Right. Um, but it, it was a bloody act, and and I think that's even a reminder. Um, for those of us 
all living now and we know that Jesus was that promised seed that would come. Mm-hmm. And in order for this, for the promises that we read of uh, that were given to Abraham to be fulfilled, there would have to be a bloody sacrifice. It would be Jesus himself. And that circumcision is also one of those examples, like you mentioned earlier, of um, the obedience that had to be followed by Abraham and mm-hmm. his descendants. Um, this was a part of the covenant that that he had to keep. Um, and again, being fulfilled in Jesus, Jesus followed that perfectly in obedience and, you know, would, would be a sacrifice for us. But um, I, I think that this would be part of the covenant, like you mentioned, that would be conditional. Am I seeing that correctly? Uh, yeah, well, th- kind of on that spectrum where, where you definitely have the Abrahamic covenant that there is that unconditional feature that God is going to fulfill his promises uh, but yet, in order for Abraham and his descendants to experience the blessings of those promises, they had to be obedient. So there is a condition. There is a conditional sense to this covenant, mm-hmm. and that's where I don't think we can necessarily um, uh, make covenants black and white. Well, this is conditional. This isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, it's conditional from the, or unconditional from the sense God's going to do it, but mankind still has uh, obligations. And, and we read of some of those in Genesis 17, verse 1 and 2. I am God Almighty, God says, walk before me and be blameless. Why? That I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Uh, so again, we see... Um, that that there's that reference going back to the promise of offspring. So in, or, in order to experience the blessings of these covenants, walk before me and be blameless. Um, Genesis 18 and verse 19, um, God is speaking. He says, for I have chosen him, speaking of Abraham, that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised him. Uh, So uh, obedience. And then even in Genesis 22, um, God does give Abraham a son. It's Isaac. And God says in Genesis 22, I want you to, to go up to Mount Moriah, sacrifice your son, your only son, whom you love. Uh, you know, the description there, it's, it's really emphasizing, this is not just your son, it's your only son, right. it's the son who you love. Right. And, and Abraham is willing to do that. He's ready to sacrifice his son, and of course, God provides the ram that's caught in the, in the thicket, the bush, and... Uh, and what does God say at the end of all that? And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies, and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Why? Because you have obeyed my voice. Uh, so God has already guaranteed what I've promised you, Abraham, I am going to fulfill. God alone walked in between those animals, but that didn't negate the the walking in faith and obedience that that Abraham and his descendants were to uh to to walk in to follow in order to experience the fulfillment and the blessings of 
what God and God alone is going to do. Which we see those parallels in our own lives today. You know, yeah. under a totally different covenant, we see that same idea. Right. The unconditional nature of our salvation. Uh, and yet we, we're, we're called to, to, to walk in faith, to follow him, uh, to experience the blessings of our salvation. So yeah, you're right. Um, so, so there is a bit of a tension there between, uh, okay, God's unconditional promises and then our obedience. Uh, there's that tension that runs through Scripture, but yet that doesn't negate the truth of both. Right. Okay, so we're going to kind of wrap up this this covenant and this episode. But before we do, um, let's say that um, I'm reading in this section of, of Scripture, or I've made it this far in my Bible reading plan throughout the year, and I am seeing how the um, covenants are progressing. Um, how does this specific covenant with Abraham, um, what is what is the effect of that on my reading? What is the importance of that? Kind of what are the main themes that we need to be bringing out from this covenant? Yeah, that's a great question. And you made a good point at the beginning uh, when you mentioned kind of that overview or flying over um, kind of the canvas, you know, we talked about that canvas of redemption, and we're flying over that canvas of redemption, uh, understanding, okay, how do these covenants work um, without looking at necessarily a specific passage. So when we kind of fly over this canvas of the, the great story of redemption, we see that the Abrahamic covenant, as we get to this covenant with Abraham, uh, it first of all provides us with the answer to the the plight of mankind. I like that word plight. I don't mm-hmm. know if it uh, if it's necessarily like a modern day word. Uh, <laughs> the the great dilemma of mankind mm-hmm. maybe is a more modern way to say it. Um, so we see a- Abraham again. He's kind of a new Adam figure. Mm-hmm. Um, he is uh, given promises. These promises. Um, of offspring uh, tie in back to Genesis 3.15 of, of uh, there's going to come from the woman an offspring that will crush the head of the serpent. Uh, we see the promise of land. I mean, land was, was lost in the garden. Adam and Eve were kicked out of the presence of God, kicked out of the garden where, where God dwelt with man. Uh, we see um, the problem of how is how is there going to be blessing? How is God's glory going to fill the earth with image bearers when when God's image bearers have now rebelled against Him? Uh, what's going to happen? So this promise uh, and then the promises in, that we read of in Genesis twelve one to three start to answer the curses that are placed. Uh, um, in this world, the curse of land, uh, the, the, the curse of difficulty with childbearing, um, all of these things, are, are we're starting to see a reversal of the curses, more of an answer to how is God going to undo what Adam and Eve have brought into this world. Uh, so, so we see the, the, the answer to the dilemma of mankind begins to be revealed in more detail. And really, uh, throughout the rest of the Bible, after we get to, when we get to Genesis 12, and again, stemming from Genesis 3.15, the promise there, we, we view, okay, offspring, land, 
universal blessing? Um, how is God working out these promises of redemption through the rest of the Bible? Good. Yeah. And I hope that some of these big overarching themes that we've been talking about help you um, as you are reading through scripture. And and maybe like we mentioned last time, maybe um, some of this discussion has actually brought up more questions for you than answers. Maybe you are um, starting to think through things that you've never seen in scripture before. And uh, we would love to chat with you about that. So um, like we've mentioned before, there's lots of different ways you can contact us if you have questions. Um, through our Facebook page, Know and Love Podcast. Our email address is all of a sudden I forgot what it is. Know and Love Podcast <laughs> at, at gmail.com. Gmail. <laughs> yeah, that threw me for a loop for a second. <laughs> I should write that down somewhere. Um, or you can head to our website, knowandlovepodcast.com. And on the left hand side, you'll see a little box there. You can shoot us an email from there. Um, but we'd love to um, hopefully use any questions that you have to be able to uh, answer um, write back personally or even discuss here on the podcast because if if you're having a certain question it's likely that other people are as well so um we will stop there with that covenant. Next episode, we hope to discuss God's covenant with Israel, otherwise known as the Mosaic Covenant. Um, but until then, may you be filled with the love and peace of Christ. You've been listening to the Know and Love podcast with Adam and Rachel Pereira. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe on any of the apps that you use for your podcast listening, like iTunes or Spotify. That way, when the next episode drops, you'll be able to have it automatically on your device. Also, make sure to contact us with any questions or feedback on our website, knowandlovepodcast.com. We love hearing from you because it helps us shape the direction and the content of any future episodes.